1: Continue on with our sports conversation on this Wednesday evening. Notre Dame football fall camp will begin on Friday, and we get the 2022 season underway. Let's talk about the start of fall camp with the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, BlueandGold.com. Tyler Horkey joins us every Wednesday during the off season. And I think he'll be transitioning to Mondays once again, once the season gets rolling to recap everything that happened on the previous Saturday with this Fighting Irish football team. Tyler, we've talked a lot about the quarterback position over the summertime. The expectation is Tyler Buckner is the leader in the clubhouse right now, starting fall camp with Drew Pine still pushing him. So let's push the quarterback competition aside for a moment. As fall camp begins, what do you think is the position battle that you find the most interesting?
0: I'm going to keep it right there on the offensive side of the ball, and it's between the guys who Buckner, the presumed starter, is going to be throwing the ball to. And I'm going to leave it a little open-ended because obviously there's three different wide receiver positions, so I'm just going to talk about all three of them. I think recently on this show I talked about Tobias Merriweather as a potential option at boundary receiver the more and more I hear about Merriweather and the offseason that he had and the workouts that he had I'm thinking he's going to be able to push Dion Colsey for I don't know if he's going to start against Ohio State as a true freshman on the road in that season opener but as the season goes along I would not be surprised if Tobias Merriweather is playing as much as Colsey or maybe even a little more than Colsey so right off the bat when fall camp opens up on Friday I'm going to be looking at those two guys and I want to see which one looks like the, the better boundary receiver, who looks like the guy that can you know, go down the field along the sideline, make the big catches over the top, and maybe take the top off the opposing defense. So I think that's really interesting. I think it's really interesting to see how Avery Davis returns from his ACL injury that he suffered toward the end of last year, because I think Lorenzo Styles kind of took his job and ran with it. And the old adage is, you should never really lose your starting spot due to injury, especially when you're a guy like Avery Davis, who's going to be a sixth-year senior, and Styles is just a sophomore. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if maybe Tommy Reese can get those guys on the field at the same time. How much is Davis playing while Styles isn't on the field, and how much is Styles just kind of taking over that slot receiver position? And then at field receiver, you've got three guys who I think could kind of play anywhere, like Braden Lindsey could play in the slot if you ask them to, but we just talked about a two, two guys who want to get their reps there. Jaden Thomas can kind of play all over the place as well. He can maybe push uh, the two guys that we talked about at boundary if either of them, because they're both so young, aren't able to kind of break out there. So, and then of course there's Joe Wilkins returning from his foot injury. So to, you know, make a, a long answer shorter, I think these wide receivers are, are super intriguing you know the the ceiling could be very high if if the talented guys play as well as they can, but could also be very low if this group is what we've thought it has been all off season, which is uh, a not very deep one and a kind of depleted one that is going to need guys to play their butts off because there really isn't any other option.
1: I think back to the start of last season when the coaching staff did not get the offensive line right and it cost them early on in the season. They lost to Cincinnati, not only because of the offensive line, but that sure didn't help. But once they got the right five on the field, everything got better. I'm not trying to compare positions, but I just look at the wide receivers, Tyler. The first game's Ohio State. If you're playing somebody else, if you're playing Marshall or Cal the first game, If things are close in the competitions, you probably give the nod to the veteran guys first to see what they can do. But this Ohio State game, it is going to be so important for the offense to have to be ready to roll, play at a high level, because out of respect to Ohio State, they're probably going to score a few points, even if Al Golden's defense is really, really good. So it makes you wonder if the veterans maybe don't have the benefit of the doubt here. You got to get your best wide receivers on the field right off the bat. And do you think that possibly could be the young guys we're talking about? Or maybe let me ask it this way: Do you think Lindsey or Davis has a better chance to have a bigger role in the first game?
0: Mm, uh, the, the second question is, is kind of hard to answer because I think you were on a roll there with the first part. I'm I sorry. Think this is the, no, you're no, you're good. <laughs> that I think this is the quintessential game where maybe they throw Colsey out there and he drops a pass or he runs the wrong route. There's a miscommunication there and th- you just point right at the freshman and you say, Hey, welcome to college football. You, you saw that mistake. Don't make it get in there to Tobias, buy Tobias Merriweather and show us what you can do. Sometimes these true freshmen, they don't know any better than to just go out there and show out because they haven't seen what it's like when, you make a mistake in front of a crowd like that and, you know, Colsey confidence could be damaged if he does make that mistake, but you know, what's Mary, what they're going to do, go out there and make the same mistake. You don't want them to compound. So I think absolutely. Maybe it's you throw the young guy out there because, Hey, you know, th- this is college football. We've been talking about this game ever since the Fiesta bowl, you know, clocks the clock went to zero on that game. So what are you going to do besides, uh, I've been saying it all along as well there's only eight guys that you can point to eight scholarship guys that you can point to across this entire wide receiving core. So if Tobias Merriweather is one of the eight and you think he's maybe one of your best mm-hmm. three or four guys, you got to put him on the field and, and ask him to make plays because that's why he's here as, as far as Lindsay and Davis go, you know, I I think Davis could play field receiver if you asked them to. And if that's what it's going to take, like I said earlier to get, styles on the field at the same time as Davis and I've said this before too I think that presents a whole lot of problems for opposing defenses because you look at those two guys and you say these are pretty similar guys you know I don't know if we have similar enough defensive backs to cover them so if Lindsey isn't working maybe you've got an option there to to take him off the field and I do think Jaden Thomas is going to be really good as as kind of a safety valve too he's been coming on really strong obviously he's only a sophomore as well but I think of all the guys on this roster, he might be most equipped, given his body type and his body size, to play all three positions. So if you're in a pinch and you need to place you know, somebody in one of those spots to replace someone that's out for whatever reason, Thomas might be, might be that guy, but you know, he's got to show that he's that, that guy mm-hmm. over the course of several practices, and he has that opportunity this month.
1: He is Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. This question's going to be much shorter because people are here to listen to you, not me. 144 (laughs) rushing yards per game for the Irish last year. First five games, they were like at 80 rushing yards per game. Are you confident the run game will be better?
0: I am, and that has to do – some of those numbers have to do with uh, the sacks. I think Jack Cohn lost 100 yards. (laughs) And the way college football does their college football does their statistics, that's coming out of the rushing total. So when you add it all up, I think it was the second worst total rushing yards per game output of the Brian Kelly era, which was 12 years. Only one time did they have less than 144 rushing yards per game. So I think the law of averages says, you know, and just trends, Notre Dame's going to have more than 144 rushing yards per game. But I'll give you reasons for that. I think the three-headed monster is going to keep things kind of stable. You're not going to ask Kyron Williams to go out there and rush for over 100 yards a game like you did for the last two years. I think Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs, who looks healthy, by the way. There have been some Twitter videos coming out of him working out. I know that's just him moving his legs, going around cones and trash cans and stuff, and we want to see what he looks like when he's trying to get tackled because he's coming off of a shoulder surgery. But he looks good, and that's a good thing for Notre Dame. And then, obviously, Audric Estime always looks good. That guy's just a monster. So, I think, you know, I've written about it today at blueandgold.com. Just the way that those three guys can complement each other, we might be looking up at the end of the season and, you know, maybe Chris Tyree only has her six or 700 rushing yards. And you're like, man, we don't have that 1,000-yard guy. But maybe Logan Diggs also has six or 700 rushing yards. And right there, that would be more than Kyron Williams had last year. He barely had 1,000. Uh, running behind, obviously, an offensive line that didn't really help him out for six or seven games. But and then you add in Audric Estime, maybe he goes for three or four hundred. So this could be a group that easily eclipses 1,500 rushing yards between those three guys. And then oh by the way, we're talking about a potential starting running back who ran for 336 yards last mm. year. And if you give him, you know, tremendous amount more snaps, which he's going to get as a starter, maybe he even goes over 500 or, or pushes six or seven hundred. So uh, again, a long answer short, yes, I think this team is going to run for a considerable amount more than 144 rushing yards. What's it going to be? Can it push 200 yards per game? That's something that only happened two times in the Brian wow. Kelly era. So I think it's going to be somewhere between 150 and 200. And if you're pushing 200, that's exactly what these Notre Dame offensive coaches mm-hmm. want to see.
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
1: As the Astros taught us, videos and trash cans don't mix. So <laughs> let's don't talk about yeah. those type of, of videos <laughs> anymore. All right. You're a Rangers uh, fan. You can laugh. All right, so the Irish linebacking core. I'm really intrigued to see all the different accommodations we might see this year. Tyler, it sure seems like there could be a lot of linebackers on the field this year, depending on the package.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think I saw some people floating out the idea of maybe a 4-2-5 base defense, and I was like, no, 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 these linebackers are, cu- are too good. <laughs> you, you need three, at least three of them on the field at once, just because, I mean, you just look at the Will linebacker position. Uh, I think Maris Lee, if I was going to hold on to the starting job, but, man, Prince Collie is as good as a sophomore linebacker as there is in the country, and I've been hearing reports that he's had an exceptional summer, and and the way that he performs in workouts, I mean, workout warrior. So how do you keep a guy like that off the field? And then if the number three guy is Jalen Snead, well, that's your number one recruit in the class of 2022. So the athletes there are insane. I think Bo Bauer is going to be a really good middle linebacker. And I think he ultimately wins the starting job there. And we saw Drew White play middle linebacker exceptionally well for Notre Dame for the last couple of years. But I think Bauer just has a little more playmaking ability. And if you add a guy like that to the middle as a starter, that's exactly what you want in a defense, a middle linebacker who's going to make the sound plays but he can also make that play where all of a sudden he's standing in the end zone with the ball and you've got a pick six or a fumble recovery for a touchdown or something like that. We've seen him do that. Uh, and J.D. Bertrand, if, if Bo Bauer is your starter, then I think he's going to be the the backup there. And by the way, this is a guy that led the team in tackles last year. And, and if there was a weakness in his game, it was trying to make open field tackles and that's the guy that led your defense in tackles. So, I mean, those those are two linebacker positions right there. And then at Rover, Jack Kaiser, obviously, uh, you know, if if you're trying to play a little bit more of a coverage style, but Jordan Botella was waiting right there. If you want your linebacker to rush the quarterback and, um, you know, if he does get better at his pass coverage, then I think he's a guy that you might see on the field a whole lot. And then there's a couple other freshmen in junior, Tui Alamaka and Nolan Ziegler that we hadn't even mentioned yet. So, the linebackers on this team, I mean, you look at all three of those linebacking positions, it's a, they're all as deep as you'll see on the defensive side of the ball when you're looking at the depth charts. So um, I, I think Notre Dame is really going to like what it has in linebacker, especially if Leah Fowles stays healthy and, and maybe Prince Colley comes along because I think those are two of the more athletic guys on the football team, period, and they both play the same position.
1: Earlier in the program, I touched on – what I think are Notre Dame's chances of making the playoff and the schedule is a major factor with three very challenging games at Ohio State at USC Clemson I thought Clemson has a chance to be the best defense the Irish will see this year agree or disagree
0: oh I totally agree and I'll give a shout out to my coworker Ashton Pollard who does a really good job writing for us at bluegold.com and And I think maybe it was last week or or a couple weeks ago she did an article on the first team, all defense for Notre Dame's opponents. So she looked at all 12 of them and said, all right, who are the best defensive players? Uh, You know, the 11 best defensive players that Notre Dame is going to see this season. I think four of them were Clemson players. So that should tell you right there, four of the 11 all come from the same team and Notre Dame is playing, uh, you know, 12 different teams this season. That's, a pretty dang good defense if, if you're taking four of those guys and they have the twenty twenty one you know a freshman all American ACT defensive rookie of the year at mm. safety and Andrew Makuba and they have I think I think it's the size along the defensive line that sets Clemson apart. I mean there's a two hundred and seventy five pound defensive end in Miles Murphy who's who's just a menace. There's a three hundred pound defensive tackle in Brian Breesey who uh, I think missed probably two-thirds of the season and still ended up on one of the all ACC teams it might have been the third team so that should tell you right there he racked up enough statistics in one month to still get recognized at the end of the season this is a 6'5 300 pound D tackle so if Zeke is is the starting center they may need to recruit Jared Patterson in for a double team to stop that guy because I think he's going to be getting to a lot of quarterbacks from the middle of the defense, you know, the middle of the defensive line, no matter who's Clemson is playing. So, uh, yeah, th- this Clemson defense is going to be really good. I think Clemson is also going to contend for a college football playoff spot, and it- and they're going to be winning, you know, 20 to 17 games, kind of hmm. like Notre Dame did in-, in 2012 to get to the national title game. I know it was the BCS era, but if Clemson's going to make a run to the college football playoff or at least be in that conversation, it's going to be because of this defense and so when they come to South Bend to play Notre Dame, I think that's going to be a very hard-fought, in-the-trenches defensive game that, you know, the winner, if you score three touchdowns, you probably got a good chance to win that ballgame.
1: Without giving away too many story ideas, what are you going to be focused on watching the first practice Friday?
0: Well, I think we're going to kind of divvy it up the way uh, we did with spring practice because I think it worked really well. So my coworker Patrick Engel is going to be focused Primarily on the defense. That means I get to focus primarily on the offense, and I have talked about to my, Tobias Merriweather. So I can't wait to watch him. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this is a, you know you kind of let off our segment with it. We've been talking about these quarterbacks for so long, and here we are on August 3rd. We should know a starter in the next two weeks, I would think. So uh, especially this weekend, I'm going to be watching. Okay is Tyler Buckner that guy is, you know, is he far and away clearly the best option that Notre Dame has at quarterback. I, I want to really dive into that. And I, you know, I'm going to write down as many specific plays as I can to maybe show to the people who aren't privy, you know, they're, they they do not have the privilege of watching these practices. Like we do. I'm going to okay. say, Hey, this is what Tyler Buckner did. This is what Drew Pine did or did not do. And this is why Tyler Buckner is probably going to be named the starter in the next two weeks. So I think that's what people are looking for, that's what I'm looking for, and I'm definitely going to be watching for it on Friday.
1: Make sure, folks, you get signed up at blueandgold.com to be a subscriber. Just $1 for a full year. The season is starting, so if you have not taken advantage of this deal, I don't know what you're waiting on because now the football season is started. You get all the message boards, you get all the stories, and, well, Tyler just gave you a little idea what they're covering on Friday, so make sure you get signed up at blueandgold.com. Tyler, you would agree it's the best dollar anyone will spend.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know. Once the calendar flips to August and we get out there to watch these practices, it actually feels like football season is here. So September 3rd is going to be here before you know it. If you're not signed up for blueandgold.com and you're a Notre Dame fan, you're going to want to do that in the next month because I guess what, it's exactly a month, 31 days away from that season opener. So you've got a month, to take advantage of like Darren said the best deal in college sports media so go blue go to blue and gold.com right now sign up and uh, you know this is as good of a month as any to be there as well because this is when you get all the nuggets from like I said the practices that we can watch and, and the fans cannot see so this is when you learn about what Notre Dame is uh, all about and leading up to that big time season opener against Ohio State.
1: Tyler, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and your information. Enjoy practice on Friday, and we will talk to you next week.
0: All right, talk to you then. Thanks, Darren.
1: You bet. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Tyler's right. One month from today, about one month and an hour, Notre Dame at Ohio State, right here on WSBT Radio. Back in 30 seconds with a quick story and a soundbite honoring the legendary Vin Scully. All right, 626 of WSBT. Darren Pritchard with you, the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time, and I don't think he'll ever be topped. Vin Scully, the longtime voice of the L.A. Dodgers, 67 years behind the mic, passed away yesterday at the age of 94. No one did it any better. He could call a game radio, or TV, all by himself, and be as entertaining as any duo. And he could broadcast the game, you wouldn't miss a pitch, and he would be able to tell you a great story. Here's an example of a game a few years ago, Dodgers and Giants, and this is how Vin was so different. Ball game story meshed together perfectly.
2: You know, Bumgarner tells a story which, in a sense, reminds you of what it takes to be a big league ball player. Two years ago in spring training, and he and his wife were roping cattle, which is what they do. One one pitch, sinker low, ball two, two and one. And they were startled by a large snake. And Madison thought it was a rattlesnake, so he grabbed an axe and he hacked the snake to pieces. But there's something more to the story. Two one pitch, low, ball three, three and one. When his wife Allie and an expert field dresser examined what was left of the snake, she found two baby jackrabbits inside pieces of the snake and extracted them. 3 1 pitch to Turner way inside ball four. And after she extracted them a short while later, the Bumgarners noticed that one of the rabbits had moved slightly. It was alive. Well his wife brought the rabbit back to their apartment for the next few days they kept it warm bottle nursed it and the rabbit soon was healthy enough that they released it into the wild. And Madison said just think about how tough that rabbit was. First it gets eaten by a snake. Then the snake gets chopped to pieces then it gets picked up by people and lives. It's all true. Meanwhile line drive base hit to center by Hendrick. And the Dodgers are in business, first and second and nobody out. So I guess really the morale to the whole story about the rabbit and the snake, you've got to somehow survive. You've got to somehow battle back. A lesson well taught for all of us. If you're a
1: young broadcaster or you want to get into broadcasting, you want to be a baseball play-by-play guy, that's what you have to be to be the greatest. Good luck. I mean, meshing the game and the story just absolutely beautifully. And I had my 15 seconds with Mr. Scully back in 1995 when I was the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network assistant producer in their booth at Bush Stadium. Basically, I was the gopher. Associate producer sounds much cooler, but I was the gopher. And the opposing broadcasters would normally come in to say hi to Jack Buck, Joe Buck, Mike Shannon. Or if they needed something, they would come to see the associate producer, Wah. And one day, out of the corner of my eye, I see someone walking my way, and it's Mr. Scully. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's Vin Scully. And he comes up to me. I'm thinking, he's going to go talk to Mr. Buck. No, he stops, and he's going to say something to me. So I turn around. And I'm sure the look on my face was sheer fear. But he says... Well, excuse me, son, do you have a pencil sharpener? The great thing is he did it in the voice, just like you heard on the radio. I was so excited. That's the voice. It was no different. Excuse me, son, do you have a pencil sharpener? I just said, Mr. Scully, it's right over there on the table. Well, thank you very much. That was my 15 seconds, but that was so cool. He was so nice. He was so pleasant, had a smile on his face, and just did the voice it wasn't fake it was real so many broadcasters have fake voices it's funny to hear them on the air and then off the air it's totally different Vin Scully was Vin Scully he was the greatest and he will always be the greatest baseball broadcaster 631 sports wagering coming up at a moment on WSBT